Hello and welcome once again to our Home at Home service. I hope that as we fellowship together today, you will find a morsel to chew on from our message that will encourage you in the weeks to come and strengthen you for the years that you have to minister unto God and to encourage you in your divine purpose. We've been speaking over the past few weeks on identity and we're going to continue that today as we speak on the topic of royal priesthood. It's a title, in fact, royal priesthood that's given to us uh, by Peter as he describes the work of Christ and to this point. And he says in 1 Peter 2, in verse 9, but you are a chosen race and a royal priesthood. I hope that as we grapple with this and understand it, it will encourage you to begin to open your mouth with confidence, to declare what God has placed on your heart, and to understand how important that is to cause his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That you, as a royal priesthood, will be able to fulfill that mission that God has placed in our hands. Let's look how we arrive at this point. When we look in the Old Testament, God had always planned that the tribe of Levi would be the tribe of priests unto him. And he had promised that tribe that they would always succeed one another, but they would always be his priests. But unfortunately, we, when we arrive at Eli and his sons, they defile the priesthood. And so God cancels his promise and makes the decision that he will elect his own faithful priest from a household that he can count on. And we begin our story looking at 1 Samuel 2 and verse 27. And it says, And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priests, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? God is despondent. He's angry. And he determines that he's going to now cancel that promise and find again a priest for himself. And so we see here that in verse 35, he says, God says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. So God has made that decision and he's made provision for you and I to be who we are today. We are modeled, though, of this amazing man called David. And we encounter David, the story tells us that he was anointed king, but he was always looking after sheep and he would sing and worship God and have this amazing communion with God. So God found somebody on the side of a hill 
who loved to worship and praise him and chose that man to be his king. And what David did, he modeled for us what it means to be king and priest. Because you see, he wasn't king first. He was a worshiper first. And God chose him to be king. And so in doing so, David modeled and epitomizes that for us. There are so many songs that we sing today that are written off what David has written. He himself would love to go to the house of the Lord. In fact, he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. He said, better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God. He declares that he would always worship the Lord with his might, with everything that he had. He said, Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Bless the Lord, O my soul, he says, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He continues to demonstrate to us what it is to be a king and a priest. And he continues to submit himself to God to the point where Jesus himself now becomes of the house of David. And we see here that having magnified this process, David, when he came to power, tells us here the history that David's first move was to bring Israel and the ark to Jerusalem as its capital. So in other words, he brought back the presence of God to Israel took them to the place, history tells us, where Melchizedek, who was identified as the original king-priest, was. So all of this is prophetic because God was intentional about who you and I are today. David, a royal priest. Melchizedek, way before him, with this mysterious history, king and priest, Abraham encounters. Jesus comes along and the Bible tells us that he becomes the son of David. Now this is amazing. David's name means the beloved. Jesus baptized, coming up out of the water, has his father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he now declares that he's of the line of David. Look at what God the father declares. Hallelujah. He tells us here, after Jesus looks for this ultimate worshipper, he says, but the hour is coming, we'll start at this point, in John 4 verse 23, and now is here, where true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what we've got here is that David had a tabernacle, which Solomon completed, Solomon built and completed But Jesus is coming now to build what is the ultimate tabernacle because this tabernacle can fully house God and it's in spirit. So that's why we are worshipping in spirit and in truth. There is no limit to what your spirit can contain. But look at what he says here, that Jesus does what David never fulfilled and he, he accomplished and he builds a true house for God, which is the house in which God now dwells. And the Bible tells us here that Jesus himself 
is of the line of David. Let us go and look at how, having seen where Jesus' role as a worshipper is identified, let's look at what it means to be the royal part of Jesus. Isaiah 9 verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince, royal title of peace. He's the principal, the governor. His kingdom is a peace. And look at what God himself establishes through this prophetic word of Isaiah. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice. So can you see that God had initially promised that there would always be a Levite as the high priest he made the switch after the defilement and the failure of Eli and is now declaring he shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness and from this time forth and forevermore. Can I just say, welcome to your throne. You are a royal priesthood. Why? Because Christ has accomplished something that allows us to achieve it through him. And we're going to walk through that journey right now. How does it happen? He, the Prince of Peace, the Bible tells us also. Let me just make this point. Revelation 16 tells us again that he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So there is no doubt that Jesus, who you and I know, was God, made himself less than God, so that he could come and deliver us and restore us and has once again regained his royalty because the Bible now tells us here in Hebrews 10 and verse 12, but when he, Christ, had offered up for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So he went back to sit on his throne. To make it legal, a king has to sit on the throne. And he then goes on to tell us that having accomplished all of that, all power is given to him in heaven and in earth, the Bible tells us here, and he sits on the throne. He then goes to establish how you and I are empowered through this process. Ephesians 2 verse 6, he sat down at the right hand of God, he says, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. That's what I'm saying. Welcome to your throne. If you didn't know before, you sit with God on a throne. The problem is, you might be yo-yoing. Because you see, we have to set our minds on things above. Some of us are actually getting up and down, up and down. You need to stay seated on your throne as the royal priesthood. And so God is declaring to us how this was accomplished. Look at this, Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, this is talking about you and I. I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul describing this. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, I shared in his crucifixion. The life I now live, I live in the body of he says, I, 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 I'm alive, I live in the body, I live by faith. So the life I now live in this body, I live by faith. By adhering to 
relying on and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, you are royal. And what does royal mean? It means belonging or befitting to a supreme ruler. Can you just, you know, just, just, just flex your shoulders saying, look, I'm a supreme ruler. Why? Because I'm hid with Christ in God. I'm sitting on a throne with Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. Therefore, if I'm a king on a throne, my role is to decree and to declare what needs to happen throughout the kingdom. This is why we understand that the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, as we embrace our role as royal priesthood. You see, the priest side of it keeps us humble. It keeps us surrendered. It keeps us crucified. While when we are crucified, it allows us to sit with Christ. And in doing so, we're able to embrace the authority he has of all power. And what do we declare? We declare it from the office and the submission of a priest with the authority of a king and a ruler. Verse 17, he says, he, and he is before all things. Describing the authority you have and in him all things hold together. In other words, the God who was in the beginning as the word, who is the word. And in verse 14 of John 1 becomes flesh and dwells amongst us. is telling us that the let there be of God is what holds you and I together, is what supports the world. How can we doubt that if we are hid with the ultimate word in him, that anything we declare in his name will not come to pass. How can we believe that? It is guaranteed because he is the living word and all things are held together by him. That's why David was actually able to declare. He says that the heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse. Because you see, when you look at it, while it doesn't have a voice, it is telling you something because it is comprised of living word. It is comprised of the let there be of God. And so God is declaring to us that in him all things are held together. How is, how, how is that? Because his word will not pass away. The world is framed, you and me. And we are going to just unpack this a little bit more. And I'm hoping that you are waking up to who you are, that we are living beneath our privileges if we are not operating as kings and priests, as a royal priesthood unto God. You see, God tells us that his word has authority to fulfill itself. You see, I love this passage here. Matthew verse 18 says, For I assure you, and must solemnly say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not the smallest letter or stroke of the pen will pass from the law until all things which it foreshadows are accomplished. In other words, God, whatever God has said, it will come to pass because his word will never, never return to him void. You are a royal priesthood. Luke 1 verse 37, he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see, when God came to Mary, the angel actually said to her, nothing will be impossible with God. What this means, and I mentioned this before, it actually means no word spoken by God is without power to fulfill itself. It's not your effort. It's not you trying to make it work. It is the ultimate work of the word of the living God. Which king 
sits on a throne wishing his edict is going to reach his destination. He puts a seal on it, sends it out and says, take this to where it needs to go. And that becomes the word through the land. Our God is telling you and I that we need to wake up, that the world is waiting for us because the sons of God need to walk in their glory. When we fail to do this, our neighborhoods remain destitute, remain bound. It's only when we embrace our roles as royal priesthood. Why are we not seeing the miracles and healings that we should be seeing? It's because we are not embracing this identity and understanding that God's word has authority to fulfill itself. It's not how loud we speak them. Although sometimes we need to shout it loud enough to, to lose and shake off our fear is the fact that we declare it in the name of the living God. Your Father is expecting you and I, our Father, to fulfill his commission on earth. But we can only do it when we walk in our true identity, that we manifest who he is. If all things are held together by him, how can we think so small? Do you hear how many times he said to his disciples, Oh, ye of little faith, have I been with you so long? Maybe we need to be saying that to ourselves today. Have I been with God so long and still have such little faith? But when you know who you are, when you embody who you are, you will say what your father says. You will declare what your father says. I love this here, this definition through Barnes and Noble. And it ascribes the ascription of Christ telling us about how all things are held by him. And it's saying here that it, it, it is the ascription of Christ that this infinite power holds all things together. And we can expect nothing less could be sufficient to uphold the universe except for infinite power. When we say all things are held together by him, and it goes on to say, and of infinite wisdom, for this is needed to preserve the harmonious action of the suns and the systems of which it's composed. So the world is held together. In other words, if God's word changes, we all fall apart. He holds all things in place with his infinite power. And he says here, goes on to say, none could do this but one who is divine. And hence we see the reason why he is represented as the image of the invisible God. He is the great and the ever active agent by whom the perfections of God are made known. This is the God, the Jesus that we are hid in. In him all things consist, means that Christ holds all things together. Hubbard Barnes goes on to say that the meaning here is really defining to us that we need to step up. We need to shake off. I love the story of the prodigal son. He said when he came to himself. Can I tell you again today, you're royal. You're a priesthood. You are a royal 
priesthood. Say to somebody nearby, said, you are a royal priesthood. You know, sometimes we need to tell each other, stop behaving like that and act like who you are. My father always says that to us, or used to say that to us. You have been given an assignment by God as a royal priesthood that in him we will fulfill God's desires and plans on earth. You see, for in him we live, move, and have our being. Our God not only holds us together physically and spiritually, but also structurally. You see, before anything passes away, all things will, but the word of God will remain. I want to encourage you today that when we begin to act like who we are, we will see our communities change. We will see our schools, our councils, coming under the influence and the power of Almighty God. Why? Because he has the solutions and the answers that they are looking for. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus, you're missing out on the amazing gifts that he's provided for us, the blessing, the authority that he's given to us. That through and in him, we have authority on earth as sons of God that relates to our position in him that we can decree and declare in his name as a royal priesthood. That we too, like Jesus, are sons of David that we will give him praise because our hearts are on the altar of sacrifice. But with authority, we will plead the blood. We will declare in his name and watch the miracles take place. If you don't know him today, you are missing out on the authority to break free from any addictions, to break free from anything that has you bound. You simply have to invite Jesus into your life that you too can be baptized and benefit from his crucifixion. You simply have to say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for my sins, that you are the king and the priest that has sacrificed for me. And you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. As the king of kings, be my king. I surrender to you today. If you prayed that prayer, it's by faith. As simple as that. It is not by works or action. It is simply by the word of God. And by faith, you believe. You too become a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And you too can be someone to change our community. You too can be someone to set others free. Church, let us be who we are. Let us, like the prodigal sons, come to ourselves and declare, I am a royal priest unto God, called before the foundation of the world to give him glory and to declare that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What are you going to declare this week? 
What are you going to step into this week that is on God's heart? Royal priesthoods. That's who you are. God bless.